So, Rachel. Yeah? While trying to stop a plague, the Enterprise encounters an immortal man. Hmm. What do you think you're going to get? Better not be Lazarus again. Methuselah is Noah's granddad, so let's say we'll have some woodworking. <laughs> He's the oldest guy in the Bible, so that's all the reference will be, really, realistically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fake beard, down to a planet set. They won't use whatever power brought him mortality to help the Federation or any future planets. Mm-hmm. They'll never make it to the plague planet. We're due another alien woman, but I've no idea how she'll fit into it. Mm-hmm. So let's start the show. Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, stardate 5843.7. The Enterprise is in the grip of a raging epidemic. Three crewmen have died, and 23 others have been struck down by Rajelian fever. In order to combat the illness, Dr. McCoy needs large quantities of Ritalin, which is the only known antidote for the fever. Our sensors have picked up sufficient quantities of pure Ritalin on a small planet in the Omega system. We are beaming down to secure this urgently needed material. Welcome. Welcome to our little podcast we do here, me and my lovely wife. Rachel. Rachel. Rachel Lackey. And my husband... Chris Lackey. Okay, that's how we're supposed to go. <laughs> Wasn't getting the cues there, I was, was I? I was, I was hoping that you'd, you'd set me up, but uh, you did. You eventually. got there. You got there eventually, yeah. and that's what counts. This is why we're not good live. Boy, whew. Oh. you meet us in person, just run the other oh. way. It is trouble. <laughs> so welcome, and thank you, darlings, for sticking with us throughout this troublesome season. Yeah, there's been a lot of bad episodes in a row. and but, it's But there's been some great comments coming out of it. So <laughs> head over to the comment section if you're not doing that already. There's uh, gold there. Yeah, thank you guys so much for this stuff. And I got to say, we're creeping up to the end of the original series of Star Trek. You bet. We're not far off your cloud babies and your savage... What's it called? Savage, Lincoln. <laughs> savage curtain. Savage curtain behind uh, which is Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited about yeah. that. I cannot wait. Be great. Before we get into those, mm-hmm. let us get into a requiem for Methuselah. Yeah. The episode begins with the Enterprise stricken by Rigelian fever. Oh no, Rigel High has been struck down again. <laughs> Rigel High. They go together like shabba catching the plague now. <laughs> That was, that was that clearly was off the top of my head. <laughs> that one, I actually really like that one. Oh, to treat it, they must collect the element known as Ritalin for a cure of some kind. I'm not sure if it's a vaccine or antibiotic. Mm. They don't really say what it is exactly, but yeah. it's some kind of illness. So if they don't get the cure soon, it will spread to everybody on the Enterprise and everyone on board will die. It's a marvel that this doesn't happen more often with all the willy-nilly beaming and aliens just popping in whenever they fancy it. I know. They should know how to deal with it this then really they should well they do they're down they're gonna find it they're gonna process it boom everyone's fine there you go so the best friends gang being down to the planet kirk Yay. spock mccoy of course that's what i'm talking about when i say no scotty here no he's no, best no friends gang plus one yeah so they do a little scan around of course they now detect life that wasn't there before i noticed you mentioned rules on your hp lovecraft literary podcast mm-hmm. recently yeah what rules you should have learned from lovecraft's text well what rules we should have learnt from the original series, must include no readings of life. Forget the fact that there's always life anyway. (laughs) That seems to be the rule that they're obeying anyway. 
So a hovering robot called M4 shows up and he starts shooting at them, but missing. Not sure why. Seems to be missing on purpose, I Mm, guess. Yeah. But maybe it's a bad shot. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It also has the ability to make their phasers not work. Oh, right. That's why they were just switching buttons and nothing happened. Well, you didn't realize that's what was going on? I just thought they were reluctant to shoot it because it was cute. (laughs) Cute. It kind of looks like a colander and nomad squashed together. Yeah, it's pretty much nomad. Pretty much what it is, yeah. Cut down short. Now, this right here, this bit, is where I started down a path that I followed almost the whole episode. Mm. Where I came up with explanations in my head that were pretty cool. Yeah, you're getting good at that. About what was going on. But when they're explained... Or never explained. Yeah. They're really lame. Ugh. So one, this robot is corralling them. What does that mean? Getting them into a particular area? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, because it's shooting them to get them to move in a certain place. Yes. I go, ooh, why is it corralling them? Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. What is up with that? Yeah. Why doesn't it just say, please move here? Yeah. What's mm-hmm. with the show of violence and force? I don't know. We don't really ever get an explanation. Get to them that. on the back foot. An older guy shows up and he seems to be in command of M4. He stops the attack and tells them that they must all leave the planet. Hmm. He's called Flint and he's played by James Daly. Middle name, Thurman. Oh. Age 50 at the time. His parents weren't afraid of a weird name. Mum, Dorothy, Ethelbert, Hogan Mullen, hmm. who later worked for the CIA, by the way. Whoa, whoa. And Dad, Persifer. Charles Daly, a fuel merchant. Persifer. Persifer. He's a theatre actor, as you might have guessed. Mm-hmm. Among his most memorable television guest spots is the classic Twilight Zone episode, A Stop at Willoughby. He served as the camel representative for seven years from 1958, being thrown throughout the United States to be filmed smoking a camel cigarette at various locations. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the lips for it, hasn't he? I guess so, yeah. He's got those really interesting lips. According to his son, Tim, James was gay, which he and his wife attempted to cure him of before they divorced. After the divorce, he distanced himself from his kids for fear that they would end up with what he considered his mental illness. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, That's a bummer. We can't appreciate that so recently. So much was different. And for some people still now. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly difficult to be gay. So Kirk explains the situation, but Flint says, no, you can't stay on this planet. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking they're all going to die if they don't get this cure. So Kirk has nothing to lose. Yeah. But Kirk goes another way with it. He calls the Enterprise and he tells them that if anything happens to them, the ship's phasers are going to blast the spot where they're all standing. When he's trying to do his show of power, I guess. Yeah, which just seemed very aggressive. What else would you have him do? I'd just be like, look, we're going to get this stuff. If you want to kill us, kill us because we're all dead anyway. Yeah. Kind of take that stance of like... We're going to try and get it anyway or what? Your threats of murdering us are pointless because we're all going to be dead anyway. Yeah. But instead he's like, you want to whip it out? I'm going to whip out mine too and then we're going to (laughs) compare. Yeah. And his is bigger. (laughs) So he thinks. Flint sees this is a stalemate, I guess. And he tells them that they have two hours to get the minerals that they need. He orders M4 to gather the right talent. Flint has a big old castle on the planet. On the remastered one, it's pretty amazing. Mm, Yeah. Remastered Star Trek. Palatial. Um, I don't like that they do a totally different one. It does look very similar to the original one, which was from the cage. And oh. they just reused the, the matte image from the cage. Originally? Yeah. And then they what, just did a similar but fancier one? Yeah. And it still looks very similar, but okay. they they kind of you know changed it up just a little bit. To yeah. give it, because it was supposed to be a different place. It's not supposed to be the same place that 
that Pike was at. We should have watched it without the remastered. It's too late now. No, I don't. I, uh, I well. like the remastered. I know, I know. It's crazy, but I think that mm. they do a nice job and they're very respectful of it. They do, but we should have had the authentic experience. Well, the authentic experience would be... Watching it then. Going back in time to 1960s <laughs> and, uh, and watching Star Trek. And we can't do that. Oh, inside this castle, this place is covered with old style furniture and works of art. Mm. Flint leaves them to sort out some business. Spock checks out the artwork and says... That it's authentic Da Vinci paintings, but recently painted. Yeah, which was kind of interesting. Oh, where are they going with this? What? Yeah. How's this mystery going to unfold? Yeah. yeah. There's also a, a score by Brahms and a Gutenberg Bible. Spock eventually points out that the Brahms never wrote this, but it's in Brahms' handwriting and yeah. all, all that stuff, of course. Speaking of Mary Sue, uh, oh, this wow. episode, we are hit with a huge 4 by 4 of Mary Sue <laughs> in Mr. Spock because he knows everything. 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 He is Mary suing all over the place. We see a woman watching them all on a flat screen TV. Rainer. She and Flint are the only ones on the planet and he's taught her everything he knows about science, etc. We assume he's her dad and it's a tempest thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. Then he kind of open mouth kisses her, but he doesn't actually touch her face yeah. just at the last inch. Yeah, he's a bit like in... me kissing Shatner, actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but much more sexual. Kind of creeped me out a little bit because I got a total father-daughter vibe, and when he went for a kiss on the lips, it was like, "Ooh, oh, what's going on here?" We have yet another innocent woman character in this episode. Yeah, that's being guided around by men. Yeah, not just innocent in this, but vacant. Yeah, vacant. It's mm. not It's not attractive. Louise Sorrell plays Raina. She made her television acting debut in the 1963 episode of Route 66, entitled Build Your Houses with Their Backs to the Sea, playing Shatner's wife. Oh. They were in several other projects together, including Airplane 2, the sequel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get this little interaction here. Sorry and Brandy, 100 years old. Jim, please. Mr. Spock, I know you won't have one. Heaven forbid those mathematically perfect brain waves be corrupted by this all-too-human vice. Thank you, Doctor. I will have a brandy. Do you think the two of us can handle a drunk Vulcan? Once alcohol hits that green blood... If I appear distracted, it is because of what I have seen. I am close to experiencing an unaccustomed emotion. I'll drink to that. What emotion? Envy. None of these Da Vinci paintings has ever been catalogued or reproduced. They are unknown works, all apparently authentic to the last brushstroke and use of materials. As undiscovered Da Vinci's, they would be priceless. Ah, oh, there's some booze. Let's forget about the plague victims and just have a good yeah. time. Ribbon spark, doing a bit of peer pressure. I think what really bothers me about this episode is the kind of out of characterness mm -hmm. of everybody. And this is just kind of one of the first ones. I know Spock knows everything about everything. Yeah. I don't know. It really stood out this episode. It's like, wait, he recognizes Da Vinci's brushstrokes? Uh-huh. Come, Come on. Come on. Why would he need he, that information? He, I, you know, I guess he knows everything about everything because that's Spock. Mm. But also this drinking thing, you know, everybody's dying of a plague on the Enterprise. Well, let's just have a drink. Why not? <laughs> yeah, we don't even it, know what's in it. It seems very bizarre and strange. And Spock gets the closest to an emotion we've seen him when he's not under the influence of something. And it's over a painting? I guess it's safe to get emotional over a painting. Hmm. And not a person. Well, yeah. But he wouldn't admit it, would he? Well, he was I, feeling envious about he's a painting. He's admitting things here for some reason. Well, again, which seems very on Spock. I mean, I like it. Yeah. But 
Today we ask, are people being mind-controlled in this episode? I did. Stay tuned yes. for the answer. M4 comes back with the material and uh, they are about to leave with it. Flint offers to process the mineral into the treatment for them. Mm. Uh, his tech is better than theirs and he can do it much quicker than they can. Ah, bad idea, isn't it? At least beam half of it to the ship to have a go yourself. Mm -hmm. And if it's rude and therefore dangerous for McCoy to go up to the ship with it, Dr. Mbenga can do it. Yeah, of course. He's a very capable surgeon. That's just silly. Kind of doesn't make any sense. At this point, Flint brings in Reyna to introduce them to everybody. Kirk and McCoy go gaga over her. <laughs> it's so weird. She's just a woman in a bad wig and zero personality. Yeah. Kirk's behavior this whole episode is just nutty. Yeah. No person would ever behave like he does on this whole episode. <laughs> no person. Not only this character. Yes. But no person. No person would do this. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. I mean, Kirk is Kirk. So Kirk should just be awesome and suave. But man, he yeah. just loses his stuff. Yeah. Over th this, girl? this. This girl. Come or, or on. Any, you know, he's not a teenager either. Even. No. Mind uh, control. Who knows? Or maybe a duplicate Kirk. I yeah. didn't think so, though, because they usually let the audience in on it when something happens to Kirk. Right. Yeah. Reyna is excited to talk to Spock about field density. So we now know that she is very smart. <laughs> they tell us she is. Yeah. But what they show us is, is quite different. Spaced out dits. Yeah. Flint explains that Reyna's parents died and he took her in as his ward. So he is essentially her dad. Creepy. Yeah. yeah, they died when she was a baby. Yeah. Creep show. So McCoy also comes in with some creepy flattery. <laughs> <laughs> something about how she said she's never met any men before and it's their loss and our privilege or something. Uh, yeah. He's quite, you know, it's a good line though. Oh, you like that? To come up with something like that on the spot. Sure. I suppose. He probably has those in his pocket. He works in his bedroom at night writing those things up. <laughs> McCoy is being such a creep that he is sent off to help M4 with the processing. He works on them at night in his little <laughs> journal. Flint encourages Reyna and Kirk to flirt by teaching him how to play pool mm -hmm. and then getting the two of them to dance together while Spock plays the piano. Let's have a clip of that song. It was written for the episode by Ivan Dittmars, who also played the harpsichord in Squire of Gothos. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So, goodness sake, making him do this song, no pressure, just make it sound like an undiscovered Brahms. <laughs> he pulls it off as, I mean, I don't know anything about Brahms, but it sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's, good. it's a good tune. And now we know that Spock perfectly plays the piano. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, Kirk is getting really sexy with her while they dance, and Flint just watches them. Hmm. It feels like some kind of cuckolding thing. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on, and it was intriguing to me, because we know that he has sexual feelings for her because mm -hmm. he tried to make out with her. So why is he trying to get Kirk to like get with her? Yeah. It was weird, yeah. but intriguing. I go, oh boy, this is really Ooh. some Machiavellian manipulation that's going on here. Yeah, how are they going to entrap him with this or what's the payoff going to be? Yeah. I like the way they were putting their cheeks together as they were waltzing. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Very sweet. I'll, I'll put mm. my cheek up against yours later. Oh, thanks. After the discussion, Kirk and Flint get in a talk about Earth. Flint thinks it's still savage, but Kirk says, you know, lots change. Flint points out that the Enterprise is bristling with weapons, and Kirk says that they're only for defense. Kirk says they asked for the Rytalon, 
mm-hmm. instead of just taking it. And Kirk also points out that Flint was the one that was being a jerk when they arrived and their crew is dying. So you get off your high horse, Flint. Yeah. So McCoy comes in and says that the samples they collected are tainted and won't work. Flint apologizes and says that he will go out and find the Ritalin himself Hmm. to make sure that it is a pure sample. Yeah, this is so dodgy. Obviously a delay tactic and a control thing, isn't it? Yes. Meanwhile on the ship, uh, oh no, no scenes on the ship of everyone ill. I think there's maybe one very brief scene of Scotty doing nothing and that's it. Yeah, and Uhura's behind him. She says something too, but nobody looks too worried or stressed out or sweaty yeah. or sick or anything like that. Hmm. Well, we've got the whole best friends gang down here, so we don't need to keep going yeah, back who, up there. Who cares about those jerks? While Flynn is away, Kirk goes into Flint's lab to snoop. Something is up with this guy, but Kirk and the audience can't solve the mystery yet. <laughs> Raina comes in and she tells Kirk, loneliness is a thirst, a flower dying in the desert. Aww. Repeating something Flint had said earlier. Kirk is perplexed by this and changes the subject. (laughs) He asks her what's behind this door that he can't open. And she says that's the only place that she's not allowed to go in the whole facility. So he asks, why are you here? And she says, this is the place I go when I'm troubled, meaning the lab. Oh, why? Again, weird and cool. We don't know why Mm -hmm. she comes here when she's troubled. Yeah. I'm hooked. Okay. At this point, I'm like, what is going on? This is a great mystery. I wasn't on the edge of my seat, but I was certainly intrigued. But I was aware that I didn't quite trust it. Oh, no, I totally didn't trust it. I just kind of knew it wouldn't pay off. It's going to disappoint, yes. Yeah. Then Kirk starts kissing her. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Remember all these people on your ship that are going to die. You've got this dodgy dude that is going to hopefully give you a cure, might not give you a cure. Isn't so far. You're going to die too. Your buddies, everybody's going to die from this. Is this the time to do the most distracting thing you possibly can? No. (laughs) It is not. Kirk's Kirk. Kirk's got a Kirk. <laughs> Maybe this is his technique of manipulating women with sex well, to, get, to yeah. get control over them. And he's hoping that if he makes out with her, that she will tell him what he needs to know about Flint. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But that doesn't pan out later. He's just brimming he, over with jizz, isn't he? He just he, can't <laughs> help himself. <laughs> also, they've just met. She's clearly clueless and childlike, so it's so creepy as well. I kept thinking he's must be under some control. Or there's some kind of pheromone in the air that's making him super horned dog. Yeah. But at that point, when they're macking, M4 comes in, and it looks like it's going to blast Kirk, but Spock sneaks up on it and blasts it. And he saves Kirk again. When Flint comes back, he explains that M4 thought Kirk was trying to hurt her and corrected its programming. As if. Then another M4 shows up. Mm. Very ominous. Mm, if only it was more menacing. <laughs> <laughs> Flint then tells Kirk that he's twice his strength. <laughs> kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> Flint leaves Kirk and Spock alone. Kirk orders McCoy to keep an eye on the cure and make sure that it's actually happening. Or just take some up to the ship. But maybe if it was the samples that were tainted, taking it up to the ship wouldn't help either. But Look, I don't know why I'm trying to defend exactly. this episode. If you've got everybody's life on the line, if you've got two labs available, one on the ship and one at the, supposedly at this place, wouldn't you do it in both? I would. Spock then decides to drop to Kirk that Flint is in love with Raina. Hmm. Kirk is surprised by this. Spock, again, knows <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. Even people's emotional inner feelings of yeah. things he's able to read that where kirk is totally surprised by it yeah because would he, spock really he is telepathic so maybe well maybe. true of course kirk points out that flint seems to be pushing kirk and reyna to get together and spock says it defies male logic <laughs> kirk checks in with the enterprise and nearly everyone 
is now infected. Time is running out. Kirk asks Scotty to check the computers to see if they have any info on Flint or Reyna. Kirk and Spock can tell Flint is stalling for some reason, but they don't know why. Flint and Reyna are watching Kirk and Spock on their flat screen television, and Flint tells her to say her goodbyes to them. Reyna comes to Kirk and tells him goodbye. But he goes all a lover nuts on her, like he's crazy in love with her and asking her to make a huge life decision after knowing her for a few hours. <laughs> a few hours. Uh-huh. Kirk tells her, tells he tells her yeah. that she loves him <laughs> and not Flint. He says childhood must end. That's creepy. WTF. <laughs> Seriously, I, I thought this was a fake Kirk because it did not make any sense. It's just terrible writing mm. is all this is. Raina leaves feeling conflicted. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy meet in the secret lab only to discover that there are tables with covered bodies on them labeled Raina 11, Raina 12, etc. And when they lift them, they see an exact copy of her as an android. She looks really good in a bald cap. <laughs> <laughs> she does. I know it's just that she doesn't have that awful wig on, right, but yeah. she's got a nice head. <laughs> Flint <laughs> arrives and reveals that he is an ancient immortal born almost 4,000 years before Christ. Whoa! He's even older than Methuselah then, Locking in at 969 years. Right. But he's pre-flood. So did he get saved in the flood? Was he on the ark? Not as far as we know. Well, yeah, I don't know. Masquerading as an animal or (laughs) one of the wives, who knows? Uh, He's also, through his life, kind of been other famous people. Mm. He was Brahms and he was Da Vinci. Uh He was also various other figures, including Lazarus. Cheeky taking the credit from Jesus for resurrecting him there, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Can you believe I mentioned Lazarus in my guesses? Oh, that I know. Up, so it? bizarre. He explains he acquired enough wealth to buy the planet. Mm. What? From whom? How does that work? <laughs> Flint, as he's called now, is trying to make a perfect immortal mate. I love that he's chosen the name Flint, an ancient tool. I suppose he's been around as long as a flint. He explains that he is having a hard time stirring Reyna's emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's where Kirk comes in. Flint transports the Enterprise into the room as a shrunken version, maybe a foot long. Yeah. Everyone inside is suspended. I'm guessing that this was a ploy to sell toy Enterprises. Oh, could be. Shimoy wouldn't have liked that, would they? <laughs> Kirk peers in through the view screen. We can see his eyes looking in at them. So it is a window. It is not a window. <laughs> so how does work then this episode is just wrong it's wrong (laughs) on so many levels if you look at any images of the enterprise you see where the bridge is yeah there's no window there's no window there and any of the blueprints tinted windows no you can only see through one way it's a view it's not like a hidden mirror it's a monitor they're just (laughs) wrong they're just wrong in their own episode oh so flint then says that he's going to put kirk and the others in suspended animation on the enterprise for a few hundred years while he gets reyna to fall in love with him that's his plan (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. This guy is thousands of years old and he thinks that's how falling in love works? And he's had loads of wives. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Well, some people never get it, do they? Oh, boy. Raina comes in and discovers the truth. She's an android, Flint made her, all that stuff. Then Mm -hmm. Flint and Kirk get into an actual fight over (laughs) Raina. Yeah, physical fight. Again, what the F is yeah. going on here? He's 6,000 years old. Kirk is the captain of a starship. Why is he behaving like a teenager? But they even say it, don't they? Something like, you've got to let men fight over a woman. This is some seriously messed up patriarchal BS that's going on here. 
I think that was intentional though, I'm to sh- get her to say, no, I have agency and I will choose my own destiny. Yeah. But couldn't she just do that if they were having a discussion? I don't know, <laughs> no. but you don't like the way they did it. I think it's terrible and stupid mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense for either of those characters to be engaging in yeah. that kind of behavior. But like you said, finally, Raina steps in and says, I'm my own person. You jerks don't own me. I'm like, finally, <laughs> something's happening. Yeah, here. finally, the light's gone on in her supposedly seven degrees brain. <laughs> <laughs> so Kirk is all happy about this because she's free to choose him. <laughs> yeah. Down to the last blood cell, she's human. Down to the last thought, hope, aspiration, emotion. She's human. But the human spirit is free. You have no power of ownership. She's free to do as she wishes. Gentlemen, I urge you to stop. There is a danger. No man beats me. This is no test of power. Reyna belongs to herself. And she claims the human right of choice to be as she wills, to do as she wills, to think as she wills. Rena, come with me. Stay. And she dies. Yeah. He's uh, fought her to death. Uh, <laughs> Something yeah, to they, death. Yeah, she's been talked to, to death. I Loved mean, her to death. She's been emotioned to death. Yes. Because she feels a father-daughter love for Flint and a hot sex love for Kirk and can't deal with the conflicting emotions of disappointing either of them. So it fries her brain and she dies. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be the big payoff emotional high point of the episode. She's human. Shatner really gave it his all. Yeah. And some, actually, there's some good uh, stuff, you yeah. know, in there about him kind of feminist even, saying that she can be who she wants. However, he comes to the conclusion after that <laughs> that she, of course, is going to choose him because uh, he's awesome. Uh, yeah. Back on the ship, McCoy drops that Flint is actually dying, that his longevity had to do with him staying on Earth. And once he left Earth, he started to have a normal aging process. We should have guessed that, really, the requiem part. Why throw this in at the very end yeah what's the relevance of it really and it also didn't make sense because flint didn't seem to know this because he was building an immortal mate for himself right yeah so why do we need to know it if flint knew that he was gonna die he could have just married a normal lady Mm. got old with her and died like a normal person would yeah and apparently they retcon it later because they have him in a bunch of fan fictions and various things they change it so that he's not really dying (laughs) oh Well, so maybe we're going to see him again. Oh, man. Flint says that he's going to spend the remainder of his time to the improvement of the human condition. <laughs> just in general? I guess so. Then this weird thing happens. Kirk is so tired that he just puts his head down on his desk and falls asleep. <laughs> like some kind of tuckered out five-year-old. Oh, well, he's so grief stricken as well, isn't he? What? <laughs> he's known her a couple hours. No. So McCoy and Spock just hang out in his room and talk while he's there asleep on his desk. And then we get this conversation. Considering his opponent's longevity, truly an eternal triangle. You wouldn't understand that, would you, Spock? You see, I feel sorrier for you than I do for him. Because you'll never know the things that love can drive a man to. The ecstasies, the miseries, the broken rules. The desperate chances, the glorious failures, the glorious victories. All of these things you'll never know, simply because the word love isn't written into your book. Good night, Spock. 
Good night, Doctor. I do wish he could forget her. Then Spock goes over, mind melts with the sleeping Kirk, and says, forget. <laughs> what? <laughs> First, the whole drive-by on Spock, you can't understand this, you yeah, dummy, you because know. you don't have emotions. Yeah. But and also, I've never had love make me do bizarre things. No. I know some people do. Yeah. But I've never been made crazy by love or done things that oh, are no. wildly out of character, I wouldn't no. say. True. McCoy has, though. Oh, yeah, of course he you has. Bet. But then Spock violates Kirk's mind without his consent. Yeah. At no point did Kirk go, gosh, I really wish I could forget this. Would you help me? Yeah. Or it's been six months and I'm still feeling as raw about this as ever. Would it's you help me? It's been like <laughs> it's been an, an hour, hour or two. It's insane. He's just going to nap it off. Wow. Oh, that's a violation for sure. Terrible, <laughs> terrible writing. We could say that McCoy knows what it feels like because he had that short romance where he fell in love. That equally unbelievable <laughs> romance yeah. that happened. At least they've been together for a bit longer. So after all the loves of Kirk's space life, including Miramani, who he spent months with, married and impregnated, mm -hmm. this is the one he can't get over. Oh my God. So let's just get into the concepts of this, shall we? There was so much potential for this episode. Oh yes, yeah, so sci-fi. Yes, an immortal Earthman thousands of years old. Done. I'm in. Yeah, that is such a cool idea. And he's building androids. And then they learn how to feel and love. And Yeah, the writer of this episode actually went on to write a screenplay mm -hmm. that got made into a movie in like 2007. Yeah. About a guy who was basically around as a Cro-Magnon. And he's like at a dinner party with these people. But mm -hmm. in reveals, he goes, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm pretty old. And I've never aged and that's the kind of the idea of, a, of the movie it's real low budge yeah i watched the trailer for it it doesn't look particularly good no well, it sounds boring but no i think it sounds like a cool idea not if it's all set at a dinner party the fact that he's still hanging around and involved in this super advanced human civilization and then he's seen primitive earth to like now where they're traveling the stars and he's been all these geniuses yeah super cool idea totally doesn't pay off it was a bit weird that he'd been da vinci and brahms and so on it could have been cool, but it just felt irrelevant. Well, I think it was just showing that he was this brilliant mind that participated in human civilization. Mm -hmm. Like he was an active part of it throughout history. Yeah. And that now he is gone away. He's been disappointed too many times. And this idea of him building a companion, sure, why not? Because his wives keep dying on him. Yeah. But to make one who's going to feel real emotions and then hope that she's just going to fall in love with you, mm -hmm. that seems really bizarre and creepy there's already people that want to marry their sex dolls and right oh yeah you know that they put on these personalities to them and these feelings that humans naturally just bond to yeah things yeah animals animals androids androids whatever yeah. and if it's got even an inkling of intelligence it would be easy for a human to fall in love with it yeah now if i was this immortal guy i could see him thinking something like well i have feelings for her mm-hmm she can't have feelings for me. I can get her to simulate them. Yeah. Then this whole weird thing, like, well, I gave her emotions, but then to jumpstart her emotions, I need yeah. some other dude to come Ooh. in. Whoa, that get is... Get juices flowing and then transfer it over oh, to me. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that just, that's weird. Like I said, concepts I think are great. Eight or nine, yeah. even. Yeah. But the execution drops it down to a five. Yeah. Well, we also had a shrunk down slash kind of teleported enterprise. Oh, right, yeah. Suspending the crew, a robot who can collect and process a natural alien element into a cure. I'm going to go for a six, I guess. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Entertainment. I'm not a fan of the character Raina, 
very vacant. Yeah. When cast for this episode, Louise Sorrell, a theatre actress, did not take Star Trek all that seriously. James Daly and I thought of ourselves as these two very serious theatre actors and we kept looking at each other. Why on earth are we doing this? Eventually, we just started saying Christmas money, Christmas money, Christmas money. Oh, <laughs> That's a bit rude, isn't it? Well. Apparently, she got used to ditching Shakespeare for Christmas money as she spent most of her career in soap operas, including 10 years on Days of Our Lives. Oh, yeah, I used to watch Days. I was impressed by James Daly as Flint. He gave it nuance and gravitas throughout. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was a good actor, yeah. The robots clearly used parts of Nomad and it was a similar shape, but just crapper. Yeah. He could make a lifelike android, but he couldn't make a butler with hands. Nah, yeah. He could only carry a small baggie <laughs> so he could only be used for delivering drugs, yeah. putting travel-sized toiletries onto the x-ray machine at the airport uh, if someone sticks the bag to him first yes. and that's it. There you go. There was so much hanging around and falling in love with no sense of urgency. Oh my gosh. I was super locked into it when it started, but mm -hmm. as people started acting like no person would ever act, <laughs> I felt like I was losing my mind. <laughs> it moved a good clip. I mean, a lot happened, but it was just so nonsensical that I have to give it a low entertainment score of two. Two? It wasn't yep. boring though. <sighs> <laughs> okay, three. Okay. Spock playing the piano, that's nice. Mm -hmm. But the dancing was lame. If you're going to say she's a great dancer, I'm expecting some Orion level <laughs> At least it was her who, sexily, taught him to play billiards. You yeah. know, usually they'd have the guy behind the girl teaching them to play golf or something. Right. I wasn't bored, so I'm giving it a four. All right. Sexiness. Shatner had a little bit of his twinkling youth back at the start, and I like his looking at a woman smile. <laughs> Flint really carried off that tights and short tabard look. Yeah? Yeah. Her dress wasn't great due to the saggy neckline and weird cape bit, but not that bad. Two out of five. You know, android women can be super sexy. However, this android was not. And everyone was so insane, it just turned me off. It felt mm. weird and awkward and yucky. Yeah. So I give it a one. Ooh. One out of five. Yikes. My guess is, well, I guess Lazarus was involved somehow. There was no woodworking, no fake beard. They did go down to a planet set. Nothing was learned for the future as far as we know with this cure. I thought there was a plague planet. I didn't know that it was on the Enterprise. No. So that was wrong. There was a non-human woman. And that's it, really? Mm. Oh, okay. Not bad. So the next episode is called The Way to Eden. Mm -hmm. And this is the Space Hippies episode of Infamy. Okay. I remember seeing it as a kid and not liking it. Oh. Maybe it'll be funny as an adult. Yeah, I think we might enjoy it. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. Thank you for listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!